Internet Brand Strategist Sandra Beck interviews top business coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to bring you the best business tips, tricks, and techniques to give your idea the best possible chance for success. From writing your first novel to telecommuting from home to taking your small business to infinity and beyond. Now here's your host, Sandra Beck. Welcome, everyone. Sandra Beck is off today. I am Robin Boyd with you today. I am so looking forward to my conversation with today's guest. Uh, Ross Malcolm Boyd is a musician, a composer, an educator, a podcast host, an audio engineer, a traveler. Um, Hello, Ross. Welcome, and we're so glad you're here today. Hello, thank you very much for having me. We're we're just delighted to have you. And if anybody was paying attention, yes, uh, the last names are the same. So we do want to say, yes, we are family. Ross is yes. my son and I couldn't be prouder, but you are a tremendously talented man. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you today. Um, because there are so many things I think that your experiences have have uh, brought uh, to to your life, and I'm sure a lot of that can be imparted. So I'd love to have this conversation with you to share with our listeners. There's so much to cover. Um, first of all, um, I'd like the audience to know a little bit about your background. Um, you're extremely creative, Ross. I've known that for years. When did music become a vehicle for your creativity? Well, I often cite uh, around 14 when I mm-hmm. started uh, learning how to play music in earnest, um, mm-hmm. where, where I really started playing guitar, or, or earnestly teaching myself how to play. Um, but it's music has always been a part of my life. Music mm-hmm. was integral in our, in our home growing up from records that we listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I distinctly remember uh, when we lived in Fremont, New Hampshire, so this was this was uh, pre fourth grade for me. Um, I I remember walking around the driveway just making up songs to myself. I distinctly remember that, and I remember uh, like there was an episode of Doug, the Nickelodeon oh, show yes. Doug, I remember and there was Doug. an episode where they started a uh, uh, a band and they had a, a song called uh, Drumming on a Trash or banging on a trash, some, something like that. And I remember just walking around the driveway, humming that to myself and then making up my own lyrics. And then it like would spiral into just me coming up with, with other, other songs and ideas. And it was long before I ever decided that music mm-hmm. was something that I wanted to do. Like you said, like I was, I was always creative. I was always writing stories and drawing pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, but music was just a constant in the background. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that has become true throughout my life. I've done mm-hmm. a lot of different things uh, as an adult in my professional career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and throughout all of that, music has been, uh, music has been a significant part of that. Yeah, interesting. I think so many times people have a hobby that they find refuge in, whether it be knitting, crocheting, drawing, uh, photography, all of those arts or those hobbies that one turns to sort of to get away from the, the, the day in, day out. When or how did you decide that music should actually be a part of your career? I don't think I 
realized that it could be a career until my piano teacher, Patrick Lee Hebert, mm -hmm. uh, uh, invited me to apprentice under him to become a teacher. Mm. Um, I think that was, and that was like, I, I might have been, I, I don't know if 16, between 16 and 18, but at a certain point he saw something in me, uh, that, that made him think, oh, this, this kid's going to be a good teacher. And he started uh, training me, uh, mm -hmm. essentially. Like, you know, mm -hmm. he, he started grooming me uh, to, to become mm -hmm. a teacher mm -hmm. and started, uh, I was very interested in uh, uh, composition. Um, so music theory was a big part of, of, of our work together. Sure. And um, that lends itself obviously very well to, to uh, a teaching career. Yeah. You are a natural educator. I mean, I remember you being young, um, teaching, helping your sister with homework. Um, mm -hmm. There were times that she, you could get through to her that nobody else could. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you, re you definitely have a knack, but is specific to music. Your approach mm -hmm. to music education is different. How does your methodology differ from maybe some other deliveries? Uh, not that, you know, one might override another, but you definitely have a different approach to your music education. I do. And I think it comes from the way that my experiences with education, I am, I am an intelligent enough person that school came fairly easily to me for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I never really had to study really, you know, I, I understood concepts pretty quickly and, and grasped them and was able to run with them. Um, and uh, not understanding something wasn't something that I experienced until around high school. Mm -hmm. um, and high school, all of a sudden, particularly uh, biology, uh, and um, I, was, I was fine in math, um, but some, some, other, some other subjects that required a little more effort I wasn't prepared for, and I didn't, I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't know how to study. I didn't have any, any specific practices in place mm -hmm. because everything came so easily mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't, I, I never developed those skills. I never developed that discipline. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, uh, and, and that was very frustrating for me. Mm -hmm. um, going from feeling like it was a switch going from being a great student to being to feeling absolutely incapable um and the i by the time i was in high school i didn't feel like i was getting the kind of educational support that i needed mm -hmm. um it was a relatively big school for yeah. new hampshire mm -hmm. and uh there were there was a, a large student base and i didn't feel like i was receiving the attention that was appropriate to my particular needs. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just to say that I was only feeling that in myself, but I was seeing that in other students as well. Sure. Um, whether it be the person who excelled and who was bored mm -hmm. and wasn't being placed appropriately, mm -hmm. or yeah. if it was somebody who was struggling, who was literally being dismissed by their teachers yeah. uh, because they don't have the time to, right. to explain this again. And that's incredibly frustrating. And that's mm -hmm. something that I never wanted anybody that I work with to feel. Interesting. Um, mm. And 
for a long time, I didn't think that I ever wanted to teach in a classroom or group setting because mm -hmm. I thought it was so important to work with an individual on their level and at mm -hmm. their pace. Mm -hmm. um, working through material that was going to be most beneficial to them at any given time. So mm -hmm. my teaching approach has been very flexible and very meticulously crafted, sometimes spontaneously, mm -hmm. uh, uh, to, to the individual. Um, and that's, that's something even as I have uh, grown a lot as a teacher and learned New, new, new techniques. Uh, I've, I've gained new understandings of how to communicate with people, from young people to old people. Uh, and uh, but that 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 commitment to the individual is still so so important to me. Mm -hmm. It is evident because uh, so many times I would see you come uh, back from a lesson and you would take a song that that student liked and revamp it and rewrite it and rewrite chords for them so that they'd be able to then play the song they liked, not necessarily the song that was the next song in the rote book. It was something right. that they're going to relate to. Um, which obviously helps that student with desire. Yeah. And I think, well, I think it's, it's something that I do. I think it's something that a lot of private music instructors will do, you know, mm -hmm. they'll be, you know, uh, teaching song by song as opposed sure. to teaching out of a, out of a particular, uh, methodology. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I would try to do that I think is different than what a, a lot of other folks would do. I would get a lot of students who, who uh, say, "Oh yeah, my old teacher taught me this," and, and mm. would show me would show me a song, but they wouldn't understand any of the concepts within yeah. the song. They didn't kind of get any any greater greater meaning from that. Yeah. So what I would try to do, especially when I was rewriting uh, music or, or arranging music for students, and I still do today, is I try to center it around a particular concept that we can get out of that. Almost almost trick. I've, I've been accused of tricking people into learning. So. <laughs> I will, I will kind of, uh, you know, uh, build, build a lesson around, around that, that piece mm -hmm. or a section in that piece. And, and, you know, you put this finger here and that finger there, and then you sure. do that. And then you, and then, okay, now, now do it like this. Okay. Now again, but this time go like this. And all of a sudden, um, you know, I'll, I'll say, and now you're playing in, you know, in, in this way. And they're like, Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I read an article with a guitar instructor. This was this was many years ago. Mm -hmm. um, who said he never decided when to, or he never decided to start teaching music theory from any point. He would teach until the student inquired. What? Why does that work? Like, there's not a there's not a G sharp in the key of C. Why does the E chord work in this song? And then he would answer that question answer and question. and and address it as as that curiosity was peaked rather yeah. than trying to instill curiosity from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even though I, I, I don't, uh, I don't make it a point of, of, you know, not planning out some little bits of theory yeah. throughout. Um, I, I definitely think about that, that yeah. approach a lot. Um, never trying to offer someone something that they don't want. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want my students to be the best, the best that they can be based on what they're trying to do. I think that's extremely important. And that's a lesson that I had to learn really early on that mm -hmm. 
music is my life and it is my passion and it's the only thing that I want to do, but it's not the only thing that everybody wants to do. Yeah. And that it's okay if all you want to do is, is learn three chords and learn as many songs as you can with those three, those chords, three chords because it makes you happy. Yeah. Like that is absolutely valid and it's absolutely something that makes me happy to do for people. Yeah. But it took me a while to accept that that's what, why are you taking lessons? If that's all you want to do, why, mm -hmm. why, like you should know this though, but this is cool. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's cool to me, but it's not yeah. going to be cool to everybody and right. that's okay. Right. I'm looking for endings in all these beginnings, false starts and failures gathering dust. I look at my collection, this monument to something that made sense in dreams but faded when I. So interesting. And there again, that's why I think people magnate toward you and they're so, um, uh, for lack of a better word, Ross, they're enchanted with you because <laughs> <laughs> when kids are with you, they really do become enchanted and they have a desire. And I know I have heard, because we do have a small town and I've often heard from people who had been your students, they said, oh my gosh, we never had a teacher like we had with Ross. He was just amazing. So it, it really, knowing that you have left that kind of influence with people has to be very rewarding. It is. It is. I, and I, sometimes I have to remind myself of that because it's very easy <laughs> to get bogged down in mm -hmm. whatever, whatever thing I'm not accomplishing now. Yeah. Right. I think, yeah. we, I think we can all feel that where, uh, it, it feels like oh, I've been working so hard and I haven't done anything. I haven't, I haven't gotten to this next thing. I'm, yeah. I'm so close, but I'm not getting through to this group or whatever, yeah. whatever it happens to be. And it's easy to forget about the things that you have accomplished or the lives that you have changed. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's, it's nice to be reminded of that. Every week. It so is. Awesome. Thank you. It <laughs> is. <laughs> now you have been teaching virtually long before our country has had to move toward a more virtual world. Uh, you've been doing this very successfully, you and your wife. Um, has, what advantages has teaching virtually given you? One of the big uh, advantages uh, coming mm -hmm. from New England mm -hmm. uh, it snows. Yeah. And the, like the winters are brutal. <laughs> and when you're teaching privately, like as, as a student, like not having to go to school and getting a snow day, that's a great thing. Yeah. But as a private instructor who depends on that income, it's <laughs> yeah. like, wait a second, snow days aren't so great. Yeah. So because of that, because mm -hmm. of, because of, oh, it's a snowstorm and, and, and whether or not it's like, oh, we don't like, we want to come to our lesson, but we don't know if it's, we don't know if we'll be right. able to, if the roads, if the roads are clear, we'll be there. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I would often think to myself, let's just go online. Like, yeah. let's just use Skype. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that uh, came up a lot when I was living in the northern part of New Hampshire, mm-hmm. uh, up, up in the mountains where uh, the winters are especially brutal. When we were up there, when we were living in northern New Hampshire, we were faced with other problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, the infrastructure of internet uh, mm-hmm. is not as strong in those more rural areas and in sure. a lot of rural areas across this country. Mm-hmm. So while it has its benefits and, and uh, when we decided we were going to start travel, uh, mm-hmm. full time, and we were uh, we bought an RV, and in 2016 uh, we we hit the road, and we've been living and performing and teaching uh, on the road, kind of setting ourselves up. We knew that we were going to be uh, teaching remotely mm-hmm. uh, when we when when we closed the physical studio in 2016 and decided to head out on the road. We knew that this was going to be the plan. We were going to. We were. Uh, we had a, a a number of students who had who had just like kept on with us. It's okay. We're going to transition to yep. online. We did a bunch of tests before before the physical studio officially closed, and things were working out great. And we hit the road, and uh, and we've been teaching that way ever since. Uh, it is it is wonderful. It is wonderfully freeing for us. It is wonderfully mm-hmm. freeing for uh, for a lot of our students. It's it's incredible to be able to do something like this wherever we are, uh, without a lot of the impediments that uh, that having to show up at a certain place at a certain time sure. uh, can 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 produce. So, yeah, in a lot of ways, when when things shut down not a lot in our lives in particular had changed because we had already built that life for ourselves. Uh, So we're very fortunate in, in that sense. And, and I think both Jamie and I have been talking to people. I know I, I reach out to a lot of folks, uh, a lot of other uh, music instructors who, who had questions about like moving to virtual lessons. How do we do this? Um, So talking to people and, and of course it's not just musicians who, who have to, you know, our music teachers who have to deal with this kind of thing, but mm-hmm. other other people find benefit from sure. from some of those tips. Yeah, sure. I, I want to uh, let listeners know if they are interested in more virtual lessons to go to tinyvillagemusic.com because that's where they can find Ross Malcolm Boyd and a lot more information about uh, virtual lessons as well as many of your other um, avenues as well. Interesting. This is a good segue because I wanted to ask you about the Ross and Jamie adventure. Yes, (laughs) You, as you said, have been traveling with your wife um, across the country since 2016 bag and baggage. You packed up the, the, the house uh, in a storage unit and have been on the road since 2016 how did you prepare for this kind of life-changing decision? This is huge. This was huge. It was, and it was it was a lot of work leading up to it. It wasn't it wasn't a, a decision that we we said, okay, we're going to do it. I know, then, I and know. Then do it. We had the talk. Uh, it was it was a couple years before. You know, we'd been having conversations about downsizing about fine like when we when we settle into a house it being mm-hmm. a small house mm-hmm. uh, we wanted a fairly small footprint and I had been talking about wanting to tour uh, and and to travel and to take my original music uh, outside of, of New England uh, and we, we had been we had been discussing different ways that that we could make that happen um, and uh, and Jamie literally had a dream that we bought a used RV and started 
touring and and living out of the RV because we couldn't she couldn't afford to just send me out and <laughs> and and let me do my thing. Yes. And, uh, so that was that was the inspiration. It was it was it was literally a dream, and uh, we planned for a long time both uh, figuring out how we were going to work, plotting courses, mm -hmm. uh, figuring out uh, any, all, all of the things that we might need to know about uh, living in an RV. Mm -hmm. um, Jamie did extensive research uh, and continues to do so and to write about said research at rossandjamieadventure.com. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm glad you added that because yes, I wanted to make sure we do that. Rossandjamieadventure.com has such a wonderful uh, tale of your of your travels. itself the desire or was there an end goal that is your desire we knew that we weren't finding what we were looking for in life in new mm -hmm. hampshire mm -hmm. um particularly in the arts communities mm -hmm. um we we just weren't finding that place that that was right for us between theater companies and bands and so forth and so mm -hmm. on um we we just didn't feel like we were in our artistic community. Mm. Uh, so we knew that there were other communities out there and we wanted to see what they were like. We wanted to find those communities. So uh, that was that was a big driving force and a big conversation. Like obviously we want to travel. That's uh, something that's always important to us. Um, getting getting to see as much as, as we can. This, uh, this country is enormous, let alone this world mm. once we once we've seen yeah, yeah. <laughs> all we can handle here there are other places that are amazing yeah, yeah. another spot um, okay Let's yeah go. and and that's wonderful and i think that 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 travel uh, informs us as human beings as well mm -hmm. um getting to experience people who live in a different way than than we grew up living whether it be sure. the the the, the the culture the food the climate yeah. you know all all of these all of these things um can can have a, a fairly significant effect on on how people live their lives um and it it's really uh eye-opening to to get to see and experience some of that in in our travels and i think we're both very uh interested in in personal growth in that mm -hmm. way that that uh a, a lot of the answers are beyond us um you and going for that you always had an explorer constitution, if you will. I can remember <laughs> you as a young boy. You would try anything it, when it came to food. You would try, you were willing to go places with other people. You had no reservations. You were one of those kids that, yep, I'll try it. Yep, I'll try it. <laughs> so it's yes. obviously transcending in, into your adult life in that you are an explorer because 
the fact that you are not only just willing to go, oh, sure, we'll go over here to, to wherever. The point is, is that you are sopping up like a dry sponge in a pool. Uh, everything mm-hmm. there is along the way and your propensity for, for uh, taking that all in and then evolving it into more of your artistic growth is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So what a gift. Yeah, it, it certainly is. I, I didn't, I didn't think that this was possible. Like even just yeah. the, the concept of touring, like the, you know, kind of a, a big part of why we, we're having these conversations in the first place um, was just so, so cost prohibitive. Mm-hmm. And I did not think that it, that it was possible to do that given our situation, yeah. let alone to live like this. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been fascinating to, to figure out how that all works, how you make money by working virtually or mm. by working, you know, uh, a lot of what we had been doing when we were starting was working at places from place to place. So mm-hmm. either picking up music gigs or uh, working at campgrounds, um, you know, picking up jobs along the way. Mm-hmm. And that kind of turned into, okay, we'll build websites or uh, we'll teach courses or whatever the case may be. It's, it's, it's grown um, mm-hmm. in a lot of interesting ways. It really but I has. didn't think that this was, I didn't think that this was possible. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that it is, the fact that we figured it out, it feels like feels like a weird secret like like oh did we we uncovered something this is yeah this is amazing I can't believe it it feels like we're cheating somehow (laughs) you have totally well and of course you admittedly uh, your wife is is quite a talented woman so um Mm -hmm. a lot we and we want to talk a little bit about Jamie but uh, mm-hmm. if anybody is interested even in um, how you accomplish this or whatever, I want to reiterate Ross and Jamie adventure.com is the yes. place to go for that kind of information. Um, your wife is, uh, you and your wife have a podcast about musical theater. This is, and you were talking a little bit about uh, exploring various areas across the country and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, what, how is musical theater important to your wife and therefore to you? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Her connection to musical theater, and I, and I don't want to speak too deeply for her, but her connection to musical theater has changed a lot. She was hmm. like, she was as, she knows everything about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have learned so much from mm-hmm. her uh, about, about musical theater because go, before, before we were together, um, I had a very cursory understanding of, mm-hmm. of the art form and uh, you know, I, I, I didn't get it. Yeah. And, and her depth of knowledge, she, she knew exactly what to show me to make me understand it. She knew the shows, she knew the, the, you know, the music that was going to be engaging. So, oh, oh, of course you're not going to like Andrew Lloyd Webber here. Look at this. Yeah. Like there's, it's more than just that. Look at this. And, and uh, just, she, she is an incredible uh, wealth of knowledge. And she had a musical theater company. She, she had uh, gone to school for music. She mm-hmm. uh, uh, worked for a children's touring company. Uh, and uh, she came back to New Hampshire and started her own musical theater company. And that went on for, for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, the focus was offbeat, lesser known 
uh, yes. uh, musical musicals because there's a lot out there that we don't get to see people like me who like I, I know Disney movies and and I you know, Phantom of the Opera I guess <laughs> you know like the the, the very the, a, a lot of surface level stuff and it's so much more than that and uh, uh, the history of musical theater was something that she was very passionate about and not only explored that in our main stage shows, but in her series of concerts uh, mm -hmm. that, that the theater company did, uh, which was very focused on the history of musical theater and the story of musical theater in a given year uh, with the context of the culture that was happening around it at that given time. Yeah, I loved them There's... because I learned so much too. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was it was a wonderful series. Uh, mm -hmm. Something wonderful I missed is what it was called. <laughs> uh, and um, it was I I cannot think of anything more Jamie than that series. You know, it is it is tying together things that she is most passionate about: musical mm -hmm. theater and history. And it was really really wonderful. She's a, a an extraordinarily talented and intelligent woman mm -hmm. uh, who is extraordinarily accomplished and. Uh, I, I can't sing her praises enough. <laughs> Do you want to drop the plug for your uh, podcast? Your um... well, so so that's uh, that's the thing. As we as we move as we move on, like the, mm -hmm. the next the next part to that story is is when we when we decided that we were going to start traveling, uh, mm -hmm. and we were going to uh, look for look for a new place to settle down. We had a list of things that were important to us. So. Mm -hmm music community, uh, local theaters, so forth and so on, uh, that, were, that were on our list of priorities. And as time went on, Jamie was realizing that musical theater wasn't necessarily at the top of that list. She's like, I don't, I don't know if this needs to be on the list. Anymore. I don't, there, there are a lot of things about that that I don't miss anymore, that I, mm -hmm. that I don't need as part of my life. I'm not, I'm not deriving the same joy that I used to from that. So that's kind of become a less important thing. And that's okay. We still want to be in a community with a strong arts, yeah. you know, focus. So naturally that's going to be involved. Mm -hmm. But her specific connection to music, musical theater in the way that she had been connected with it before um, is, isn't as big a part of her life now as it was then. Mm. Um, again, you know, when, whenever you decide to, to do an interview with her, she'll be able to talk, I'm sure, <laughs> Good. a little bit more, more deeply about that. Good. Um, but... Uh, between that and pan the current pandemic that 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 we're experiencing sure. and that has shut down theaters everywhere, mm -hmm. um, we had we had put the podcast on a hiatus uh, at the end of 2019 because mm -hmm. things were very chaotic. We were very mm -hmm. busy with a lot of things, sure. uh, and we were we were trying to stage a musical and we were doing this and that. It was it was it was all quite a lot. Um, yeah. So we put it on hiatus and we were you know, talking about like how we were going to, to get back into uh, recording episodes. And with the pandemic, it just doesn't feel like the right time to be talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the types of conversations that we were having around musical theater, everything is so uncertain right now in sure. terms of what performance is going to look like when yeah. we are going to be able to perform again. Uh, so talking about that doesn't doesn't quite feel right as of right now. Mm -hmm. uh, the show is called Finishing the Season. Uh, you mm -hmm. can find it on on iTunes. Uh, I, I think we have some really fun episodes uh, yes. in there, and uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if the show comes back because we still do the the show was born out of just me asking questions 
I love um, it. It's really, really fun. I would not be surprised if we do it again. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if we kind of took the same idea and and picked a different subject. But uh, but the episodes are still uh, are still available. Uh, you can you can go check them out. They're they're a good time. And uh, I think they yeah. are. Yeah. And me not knowing a lot about musical theater, um, it still was just as delightful or in enlightening for me. Um, and I'm definitely growing through what you and Jamie have been doing. Um, and I'm glad that you dropped it, dropped the title of, of the podcast, because I really think people will enjoy it. Absolutely. One of the things that I was kind of curious about with all this musical theater that you've been surrounded by and involved in and, mm -hmm. and, and helping to put on, do you think musical theater has influenced your um, songwriting, your compositions? Absolutely. It's absolutely made me think about story and character a lot more. I was asked to write a song, or Jamie and I were both asked to write a song for a play uh, a, a couple years ago, mm -hmm. uh, which we were happy to do. And it was one of the first times that I was writing very deliberately from a very particular place. Like this character was already created and I was writing from the voice of this character. Uh -huh. uh, and it was a really cool experience I, to really put myself in that place and to write kind of from a different angle. There are people who are great at writing story songs, mm -hmm. you know, uh, as, as the, the third part from, from the third person narrative of mm -hmm. so-and-so walk down the road mm -hmm. sort of songs. Yes. Uh, and I've always been, uh, my, most of my songwriting has been uh, more introspective. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and usually from the first person perspective mm -hmm. and singing out. And sometimes I will be embodying, I will be writing about somebody else through the first person. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's been my comfort zone. So both the idea of writing for other people or other characters mm -hmm. and that experience of, of being asked to specifically write a song for this play uh, contributed to, to that kind of growth and that, that mm -hmm. uh, uh, shift in songwriting and to challenge myself because you get settled into what's comfortable and you, it's, it's easy to write in a particular way. It's like, okay, yeah, I've got, I've got my quirky songs. Like these, these work, this is, this is what I do. Yeah. Oh, that's not what I do. So I'm not going to worry about that. And then it's like, I could do that. And mm -hmm. you try and it's like, I have to practice with this again. Okay. So, and then you, you kind of, you, you kind of have to go back to that, like, mm -hmm. all right, we're going to start from scratch. I was there. There's some new music that I'm working on now um, that is, is feels very outside of my comfort zone. And, uh, and, and I was, I was trying some ideas and writing things down and it wasn't working. And I'm like, Jamie, it's not working. And, <laughs> and she, and she says, she says, just, I had, I had recently done a, a, a course on songwriting and she said, mm -hmm. you need to take your own advice. You need mm -hmm. to start from the blank page. You need to brainstorm. Yeah. You need to follow the steps. Like, it's like, you mean, you mean take my own advice? It's like, yes. <laughs> Talk about uh, that uh, course that you were working on or that you've mm -hmm. presented about songwriting. I mean, I'm sure you've heard it before. Uh, someone says, oh, I could never write a song. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't, I'm not musically inclined. I could never write a song. Is that true? It's absolutely not true. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody can write a song. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. How? <laughs> so I think one of the things that kind of gets in our way, uh, is ourselves. 
uh, when we're when we're thinking about being creative because a lot of creativity in in America is tied to commerce. Mm. Things that things that in order for something that we do to be of value, it has to yield a product, mm-hmm. and that's not what art's about. And we need to remember that when we say, "Oh man, I wish I it would make me happy to write a song. It would be it would make me happy to write a picture. It would make me happy to write a poem." It doesn't need to be something that needs to be good enough for sale, whatever mm. that means, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to, to create something for anything other than to express a feeling that you're having. So I think that's the first hurdle. There are technical things that we can start talking about, like how to rhyme, mm-hmm. how to, mm-hmm. you know, we can, we can learn about poetry and learn about feet and meter and, and, and we can learn about musical structure and what chords to pick and how to, mm-hmm. how to construct a melody that works functionally mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of music. But I think that first hurdle is like, I want to, I want, I want to write a song, and don't let any concept of what that is supposed to be dictate your ability to do mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. I think, like, like when I was a kid and walking around the yard and just like humming, I had no idea how to write a song. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've listened to music. I know what songs sound like, mm-hmm. and I can hum something to myself. I don't, I, I, I'm sure that everyone has stood at the kitchen sink washing dishes and just started humming a song to yourself, mm-hmm. just making up. If you can do that, you can write a song. Like, that's, that's all there, literally all there is to it. If you're feeling frustrated and you want to write something, just get out a piece of paper and write exactly what you're feeling. And, mm-hmm. and you look at that page of, of, of feelings, this, this kind of physical representation of these mm-hmm. emotions that you're feeling. Okay, I have, I have all these words. Some of these words, if I put these together in a, in a particular way, oh, that, that, that kind of sounds like poetry. That kind of sounds neat. Like yeah. this, this sadness fills me. Oh, okay, interesting, cool. And then maybe you find a couple other lines that, that sound right. Um, and you put those pieces together and maybe mm-hmm. you, you strum one chord and you just kind of hum those lines as, as you're playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can be a really cathartic experience, just creating something out of feelings, whether it be feelings of frustration or feelings of joy. Um, that can be a really powerful thing that is just for you. I love it. I, I want maybe another time we can really talk about the whole process because I know you mm. just did something for Orlando Library, um, which mm. was a wonderful uh, session that you did for them. And maybe that's something that we could do in another in another show. Mm. Um, yes. You're so talented in so many instruments. And I love the fact that you love trying everything. Um, how did the ukulele become such a favorite instrument? It's Weird. The ukulele is such a powerful little instrument it that is. is so persistent. Um, <laughs> I I don't remember exactly why I bought my first ukulele. It was a baritone ukulele, and the thing about a baritone ukulele is it's tuned much like a guitar, uh, where uh, it's it's tuned uh, to it's tuned to the same pitch as the the first four strings on a guitar. I see. Um, so as coming from as a guitar player, baritone was just 
the easy way into a different instrument with a slightly different tone. Sure. It sounded like a, like a classical guitar. Um, it had, it had that kind of warm, mellow, uh, nylon string sound mm -hmm. that you would expect from a classical guitar. Um, but it was a much smaller body. Uh, and, and the sound was a little bit different as a result. And I wrote a lot of stuff on that. A lot of, a lot of songs that became, um, bigger rock songs were written on that that little baritone ukulele and I would leave it next to my bed and I would mm -hmm. get an idea in the middle of the night and I would reach over and I'd grab it and, and you know and, and I'd be lying in bed and I'd hit the tape recorder and start humming a song okay I think it goes like this okay there yeah there it is okay I'll deal with that when I wake up and it was great because it's this little tiny thing that's right next to me you know, it's not cumbersome. It's got everything that I need to create harmony and melody, and I can get out an idea really quickly. Once you get into the other sizes, it wasn't until a number of years later that I uh, bought a tenor um, mm. ukulele. And a tenor ukulele is uh, the next smallest size mm -hmm. uh, and the biggest size using the traditional tuning of the ukulele. We are tuned to... Uh, G C E A, and that particular tuning, typically on on uh, most stringed instruments, your uh, your your fourth string, your 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 string that's that would be closest to the ceiling if you're if you're holding it, mm -hmm. uh, would be the biggest would be the biggest string and the lowest note. Mm -hmm. um, but the ukulele uh, uses what's called reentrant tuning, where where the the strings on the outside. Are the highest notes on the mm. instrument, and that gives an interesting texture that you don't get with, say, a guitar. You you might with a banjo, for instance. A ban okay. banjo uses a similar uh, tuning uh, uh, method, yeah. um, but it changes the way that the that the instrument sounds. Uh, this is this is not the way a baritone uh, ukulele is tuned. Uh, it's it's how the uh, the tenor, concert, and soprano, the, those three smaller sized ukuleles, are tuned. Uh, and it gives it a particular a particular texture uh, that on ukulele we tend to associate with uh, Hawaiian music. You know, we've got this nice bright. that we might uh, associate with a particular style of music. Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, on our honeymoon that I bought the tenor ukulele and we were in uh, Canada, we were in uh, Nova Scotia and it was just, it, it just called to me and it's <laughs> like, yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about the ukulele a lot and, and, you know, I've been, I, you know, the, my, my baritone is, is all well and good, but it doesn't have that particular sound that this has. And at that time I had already been exposed to uh, ukulele players like Jake Shimabukuro and uh, Israel Kamakawewa Ole, or mm -hmm. is, as, as mm -hmm. is easier to say, and um, countless other uh, ukulele players. Um, I was a little less familiar with the likes of Tiny Tim and uh, mm -hmm. Arthur Godfrey and, mm -hmm. and some of those, those classic uh, pioneers of the mm -hmm. instrument. But it was, it was definitely something that's like, oh, there's, there's something going on. There's, there's, uh, there's a sweetness, there's a sound to this instrument that I am really interested in.
How did you find bringing the ukulele to a group of seniors? You did a, a grant program up in Northern New Hampshire for some uh, senior citizens. How was that experience in, in, as far as relaying um, the love of ukuleles? It has been life-changing for me. That is absolutely a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. It's interesting how, how, how my student base has changed over the years. When mm -hmm. I first started teaching, I was teaching mm -hmm. uh, a lot of young students when, when I was beginning. And uh, by the time I moved to northern New Hampshire, by that time in that community, uh, it was a lot of adults. I, had, I, I was teaching, I was teaching uh, younger folks as well. Mm -hmm. But I had a really, a, a really significant portion of my student base was adults. And it was a really interesting shift for me because I'd always had some adults, but it was never the core of my audience. Uh, and I found that I really, really enjoyed it. Um, teaching adults can be challenging. And I think learning as an adult can be challenging because you are a grown up and you already know how to do things mm -hmm. and not knowing how to do something as an adult can feel very frustrating, especially when you're, you know, when you're approaching these rudimentary exercises that can be, that can be tough for a grown up to handle. Um, and to, again, get over themselves, same way yeah. that we were talking about songwriting. So I found that challenge, uh, and, and that experience extraordinarily rewarding finding these kind of secret abilities in these people who didn't think that it was possible at my age to do to do I couldn't do that it, I'm I'm far too old and <laughs> you know and and kind of taking that the next step when I got the opportunity to teach uh, a group of seniors it was so incredibly powerful we had people from a, a wide range of backgrounds um, mm. and, and a wide range of physical abilities, you know, mm. as, as, as we get older, things stop working the way that mm. they used to. <laughs> and we had folks, you know, struggling with arthritis, being able mm -hmm. to hold the instrument. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it didn't matter what background you came in with, mm -hmm. what, what physical impediments you might, you might be struggling with going into this. It was less about that and more mm -hmm. about getting together and singing some songs. And that's what the program was was focused on it was it was it wasn't just focused on uh okay we're going to learn how to play this instrument it was more about community for for the seniors like some sort of artistic way for people to get together and communicate and share and bond in 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 a community like mm -hmm. really creating something and one of the most magical things about that is seeing how many groups that i have worked with over the years Ha, are still getting together every week. Have started their own ukulele groups. I uh, love that, it. I, I I I joke that I've, I'm creating a, a ukulele army of Northern New Hampshire, where <laughs> just just groups have 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 spawned, and it's and it's just wonderful to see this passion that that was already there in them. Mm -hmm. um, they just needed to figure out a way to express it. It's still like I, I look forward to when I can do that again with people because it it is just such a great feeling. Like I said, you you as a mentor and an educator are infectious, and <laughs> <laughs> it just it really did blossom up there as as many other areas. What's something that you've learned about yourself being on the road that you didn't know before? Mm, didn't know that I could do it. Mm -hmm. I think. 
physically, like, I didn't realize that I would be capable of doing it. I thought that I would go nuts before too long. We had, when we had set out, we said, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this for at least a year and then we'll reassess at the end of the year because, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we knew that we were going to face challenges Mm -hmm. and we didn't want to get bogged down like two months in, oh, this broke or we got to, we got to, we have to replace this again. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to let that inform our decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, about about what we're doing we wanted to make sure that we were giving it a, a, a fair shot um so a year in I, and, and i was thinking okay we'll do this for a year maybe we'll do this for a two year but i don't really see this working out mm, i don't know and uh and the year mark comes up and both of us were kind of like oh oh yeah it's been a year okay yeah yeah we're still going right okay yeah we're okay, still going. okay fine. cool yeah um that that is a is is a really big thing I also learned, I'm still learning how I work, mm-hmm. um, what is important to me to, to create a good workflow, to mm-hmm. create that work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's something that I'm, that I'm still learning, but I think I'm learning how to work more effectively. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this I'm learning from, from Jamie. She's very self-aware and, and is, is doing a very good job of compartmentalizing work and not work mm-hmm. and it's a conversation that we have a lot but being able to enjoy our lives while still getting our work done yeah essentially yeah. and it's interesting being in the position that we are uh, working remotely we are able to have these conversations and figure out what works best for us because i know mm-hmm. that the way that we have been working in the past was not healthy yeah interesting that it took you going on the road to find that because i think that um, concept is good for anybody, no matter what your uh, agenda is, whatever your work is, whatever your environment is, but having it come to you because you are on the road. And I think leads to my next question. What's been the biggest tip, I guess, for lack of a better word, you and your wife have been in a very small compartment for, <laughs> what is it for? Yes. <laughs> How are, I mean, you are still married and you do seem to still love each other. So (laughs) how has that affected your relationship? I think we have only gotten stronger Uh, Mm. before, before doing this. um, As, as I mentioned before, our, our work lives were crazy. We were working insane Mm -hmm. hours. It was, it was kind of tough. Now we are on top of each other all day, every day. And (laughs) And I, 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 I imagine that was a concern. It's like, all right, this is going to make or break us, I guess. <laughs> no, no getting around it. Mm-hmm. But um, we have always been very open and communicative with one another. Uh, and we are only learning to be more so uh, as, as our relationship has gone on. Mm-hmm. And it's so extremely important to continue that when we're in this small space or if you're mm-hmm. Uh, quarantined and can't leave the house or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, whatever your situation might be. Um, communication has just been the big thing. Talking openly and honestly in mm-hmm. a safe environment about, okay, this is what's working for me. This mm-hmm. is what's not working for me. Right. And, right. and okay, how can we, how can we address that? Okay. I'll work right. over there at this time. I'll work over here at this time. Sure. Uh, all, all of those conversations are, are going to be super important. And it's important mm. to have those conversations when you are in a calm space, when mm-hmm. you are in a, all right, we're, 
we're just going down this list. We are not accusing one another of right. these things. These are just, these are, these are things that we're experiencing and we're going to talk about how to address those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's a regular thing for us. It's like, all right, we, let's, let's check in. Yeah. Where are we at? And life changes. When we, when we hit the road, uh, we were conducting ourselves in a particular way, but as our work changed, uh, over, over the, the past four years or so, uh, Jamie started doing more virtual assistant work and mm-hmm. is, is kind of leaning into the, the coaching world and so forth and so on. And right. I am, uh, shifting now uh, from teaching in person to, or teaching workshops in person to mm-hmm. teaching workshops online and developing courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as our, as our work has changed, our, uh, requirements to, to do that work has changed and mm. thus our lives are changing and how we interact with one another. So it's so important that we continue to check in. It's not like a, our, all right, once a year, it's like, no, all right, this week I've got meetings here, 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 and yep. here. What are you working on? Do you need to record any video? Okay, cool. This is going to be a good time for me if you can record them, blah, blah, blah. Um, that is absolutely essential. I think it's remarkable, uh, uh, a true testament to not only just time management, but relationship management and um, career management. You have mm-hmm. thrived in your careers. You are you are growing. One thing we didn't even have time to talk about today is your audio engineering and your audio editing capabilities. I mean, that's a whole nother field that you are yes. very strong in. That's your degree. And so we can talk about podcast editing maybe another time because <laughs> <Yes, absolutely. laughs> the podcasting industry certainly is, is growing we certainly want people to turn to Ross Malcolm Boyd with any of those kinds of needs what's ahead for Ross Malcolm Boyd I mean I'm sure that there are some dreams that um, the bucket list is it must be out there yeah I, I well I uh, I've got a lot of music that uh, needs to be recorded uh, I've been sitting on so many songs that are just that are just waiting to be released <laughs> uh and you know finding the time to to, to record them uh, i am uh working on a uh ukulele course uh, an online ukulele course uh, which i'm very very excited about that will mm-hmm. be launching relatively soon i don't mm-hmm. want to i don't want to jump on a date just yet because yep. uh of course you know you you you're like all right we're almost there and then you yeah, realize yeah. oh we need to do this 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 and this we can <laughs> launch it like, oh, okay so, um, but that is on the way. Uh, I've been um, uh, sending out emails every week to my uh, email group uh, mm-hmm. uh, for, for ukulele folks. Um, so there have been lessons or, or talks about music as it relates to ukulele every week. Um, and I particularly started doing that because of the shutdown, because of, mm-hmm. because of the, the quarantine. I wanted to be doing something for my students who I knew would normally be going to groups uh, mm-hmm. every week that would no longer be able to do so. So I thought that this would be a really fun way of, of connecting with those people mm. and keeping them connected. Uh, so, so presenting songs every week. And I think finding new projects like that is always mm-hmm. really important. To me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Finding, finding new ways to connect with people, especially right now where, okay, this is a, this is a weird time. What are we going to do? Right. Right. Ross, I have always enjoyed talking to you. I mean, you as an adult are such a fascinating person. Um, and I just want to reiterate all of the, the websites, tinyvillagemusic.com, 
military families or people that are in inclement weather or people whose lives are just so busy and you don't have time to drive 45 minutes, consider some virtual lessons because this is such a delightful way to uh, bring music into your children or even you as an adult, your lives. Ross and Jamie adventure.com to learn more about your travels and, and how one even it gets to that point to bring your career on the road. So much to learn from you, Ross. And, and thank you for taking this time with me today. This has been wonderful. Thank you for having me. It has been wonderful. Sandra Beck will be back with you again, as will I, Robin Boyd. we Thank you for being with us. We look forward to seeing you again. Take care and thanks. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach Talk Radio.